Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's message. Be sure to tune in to whatever Bethesda Church is doing on our website, BethesdaChurch.tv, or check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Now, let's jump into today's message. Good morning, Bethesda Church. Good to see you online today. You guys are so, so awesome. Um, Because of your generosity, we were able to do some random acts of kindness this week. You purchased gift cards. You bought people gas and groceries. I just want to say thank you so much for your generosity. Because of you, we're able to do so many good things. Well, once again, welcome. Uh, I've got a word for you today. Uh, Wherever you may be watching, I feel that I have something that God wants to speak into your life, into your family today. Uh, I'm excited about it. We're in the middle of a series uh, entitled Against the Grain, Against the Grain. In week number one, we talked about faith, um, that we are people of faith, not people of fear. And then last week, specifically, we talked about kindness. In a, in a world that is filled with people who are rude and uncivil, uh, our reputation should precede us that we are kind. To be against the grain means that we are moving in the opposite direction of the world, which means that we are moving against the grain. Today I got a, a title for you. I want to call this message Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Um, and... Living unfiltered is definitely against the grain, and and I want you to track with me for just a moment. Um, We live in a very filtered world. We we have apps available on our smartphone that we can download that remove all the blemishes of our photos. Not only does it remove blemishes, um, interesting enough, it can make you lose 30 pounds. Um... Some people, when you run into them in public because they operate with those filters so heavily, they they use it to the fullest extent. Uh, And when you run into them and you're like, that's not the same person I saw on Instagram. Because you see they're like 30 pounds heavier, their cheeks are a lot bigger, and their arms are not the size of toothpicks in the real world. And so we live in a filtered world. But I want to challenge us, Bethesda Church, I want to challenge us to live unfiltered. And I want to read to you from John chapter 20, starting in verse number 18, and we'll read all the way through verse 29. It says, Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, 
was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord, but he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Unfiltered. With this message, I'm going to kind of preach into it, and it'll probably make the most sense when we get towards the end. In Jesus' ministry, he always told those that were following him that they would receive power to influence other people. That there, there was a power that would come into their life that would give them influence. He told them that he would make them fishers of men. And this was the primary foundation of everything that Jesus taught. If you're following me, Jesus said, you're going to be able to help somebody else. The power that I will give you will give you influence. I want to suggest to you that we cannot have influence by filtering our lives to the point that we are unrecognizable. The truly, to truly demonstrate the power of God to a generation that needs God, we have to begin to live unfiltered. In Matthew chapter 5, the very first sermon Jesus ever preached, he told us that we are the salt of the earth, we are the light of the world, and we are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. This is what Jesus came to do. He came to help us understand that you and I have the power to help other people. We're not, we're not supposed to just look at what Jesus taught and what he performed and just stand back in amazement. We're supposed to learn from what he taught and what he performed, and then you and I are called to go and do exactly what Jesus did. The Bible tells us that he was the firstborn among many. The many, that's you, that's me. He's told us in John 20, verse 21, the text that we read, he said, peace be with you as the Father sent me. I am now sending you. Jesus is telling us, don't just watch, but prepare to do what I have called you to do. Prepare to do what you have seen me do. Now, the thing about that is that Jesus never hid his agenda from his followers. He was up front from day one. He was very clear in what he communicated to them. He let them know, you will go into the whole world, which meant that they would go into the world, into the lives of people, and they would have influence there. But we have to understand that we forfeit our influence when we live underneath filters. There are certain filters that many of us have that is preventing us from getting to God, and it's actually preventing God from getting to people because we've become a filter. And he taught 
he equipped, he commissioned, and we're supposed to go. But here's what we have to understand. When we go, danger is present. When we go, danger is present. Because danger is present, we have to remove the filter of playing it safe. Jesus told us that we are like sheep among the wolves. He said to be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. He said that they persecuted me, they will persecute you. But what I also love about that is that Jesus told us that he has given us power to tread on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. See, if you and I are doing the work of Jesus, we are going to run in to some danger. If you're doing, a lot of people think if I do, just do the will of God, it'll be safe. No, sometimes doing the will of God means that you're walking in to dangerous territory. Some people get so wrapped up in the element of danger that they withdraw because they do not understand the power of the commissioning. They don't understand the power of the call that is on their life. Because within the commissioning and within the sending, that's where the power of God is available to overcome the enemy. If God sends us, He is guaranteeing us that we will overcome in the end. A lot of Christians, though, when it comes to the going, that's when they get nervous. That's when we become fearful. It's in the going. It's in the commissioning that we become afraid. We are so notorious in the church world for playing it safe. But I want to tell you, heroes are the people that run into the burning building. While others are running out, the firefighters are running in. I believe that there is something in all of us that says, I am not supposed to be playing it so safe. See, when it comes to the things of God and the works of Jesus, we, we need to acknowledge that danger will be present, but we also need to understand this. We cannot win this generation with a riskless theology. We have to have risk if we're going to move in the power of God. I've always said it like this, that the fruit is out on a limb which means that you got to be willing to risk something to gain something. I don't, I don't think that a lot of people want to risk anything anymore. We would rather play it safe. But I want to encourage you today to get up and go. Be willing to go. Be willing to push the, the envelope. Be willing to step across the line. That's what Jesus did, and it's what he has commissioned you and I to do. The first words of the Great Commission was not come, the first words of the Great Commission was, go. And I believe that God is calling us to go. Many times, people won't come to Jesus, so therefore, he makes us go to them. A lot of people are caught off guard by the pandemic. I think we're all caught off guard. But at the same time, could this be the church's greatest moment? Could it be our opportunity to reach more people than ever before with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we gotta be willing to risk. We gotta be willing to go. And when we go into, the, into danger, we need, we need to know that God will protect us. He will, he will see that we get through. He will make sure that you and I are, are okay. Fear is another filter that we have to deal with. 
Fear becomes a filter that causes people and churches to get stuck in tradition. A lot of times we, we're just afraid to move forward because we're afraid we will make mistakes. We're afraid that we will mess up. And some people even believe, wrongly believe, but they believe that if we make any mistakes, the church will fall apart. I want to suggest to you that the church is not that fragile. That Jesus said that upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church is not so fragile that if we go and make a mistake it's going to fall apart. The church is not getting weaker during this pandemic. The church is actually getting stronger in the middle of this. We're coming out on the other side stronger than ever before. Many people are are standing like, what's the church going to do? What's the church going to do? Like, what's going to happen? Listen, we preached the gospel last week and we were not able to gather, but we preached to more people last week than we have in the history of our church, and we we were not even able to gather. I'm telling you, we are coming out on the other side stronger than we've ever been before. In your living room, you ought to take a praise break. You ought to get excited over that. God is up to some big things. Anytime there's setbacks like what we've experienced these last few weeks, It's always a setup for the plan and purpose of God. Jesus modeled this type of thinking to his disciple. He modeled it. He let them know, I will prepare you for every atmosphere. I'll prepare you for every environment that you step into. Listen, we may be caught off guard by this moment, but I want to tell you the Holy Spirit is not caught off guard. We are actually prepared for this moment. Jesus modeled this type of thinking in the way that he hung out with people that everybody said, don't hang out with them. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't wasn't scared in those moments to be linked up with sinners and tax collectors and Pharisees. I mean, he, he was in all kinds of atmospheres. But every atmosphere he walked into, he shifted the atmosphere. I don't know about you, but I'm looking for some people of God that can walk into a room and shift the atmosphere, that can change things. When they walk in, fear walks out. When they walk in, sickness has to go. That's the type of thing that God wants to do in this hour. And I want us to grab hold of it. I don't want you to lose heart. I know you've been locked up eating Twinkies for days, but I'm telling you, God is still at work. He's still at work in the middle of all this mess and I want, you to be, I want you to be motivated by that. Our motivation is not sit back, shrink back. Our motivation is Jesus came, and he came to seek and to save those that are lost. I believe there's a great harvest about to come into the body of Christ. I believe there's going to be multitudes of people that are going to give their life to Christ, that, that are going to come into a relationship with Jesus. The problem is, is that anything new scares Christians. It's just kind of the way it's always been. Anything new, we're hesitant. In this quarantine, many Christians are, are fearful, and I, and I get it. It's a weird feeling being at home. It's weird not being able to do your normal day-to-day. I get that. But I want to encourage you again, I believe this could be the church's greatest moment. It's not an accident that we preached the good news to more people last week while we couldn't gather than we ever did while we gathered. It's not an accident that that happened. 
See, many followers of Jesus, I believe they're like two different tribes that we read about in Scripture. We read about in the New Testament, we read about zealots and we read about Pharisees. And I believe that they, they each possess a filter that you and I have to shed. The zealots were a political group and they fought against Rome. And these guys were overboard. I mean, they were extremists to the max. They, the, the thing about them, though, is that they were only concerned, and I want you to hear me, they were only concerned with developing their own faith. They're, they only wanted to maintain faith for themselves. They were very selfish in, in the way they went about life. They lived under this filter of developing and maintaining their faith while ignoring everybody outside of their bubble. So we have to get this point. We have to lose the filter of selfishness. We have to lose the filter of being selfish. Jesus never said, take interest in your own life only. Jesus said, I, he, he didn't say, let's, let's talk about it. He didn't say, just sit and, and develop your own faith and go to church and go to small group and take notes and, and journal and just spend all your time with God and just develop your own faith. That's not what Jesus taught. Jesus taught to go into the world. If I'm only developing my own faith, then I'm missing what God wants to do. My faith should help somebody else. It's the primary foundation of what Jesus taught, that, that he would give us power to influence other people. People who are like zealots have no clue about the lives of others. People who are zealots, they watch Christian TV, they read Christian books, they uh, hang out with Christian people. And listen, I do all those things, but some people take it to an extreme, and, and they are so heavenly-minded that they are no earthly good, and that is not a compliment. We need to be so heavenly-minded that we're making earthly impact. Our faith should be helping somebody else. But they lived under this filter, and the problem is that that type of thinking does not connect with people. That type of thinking does not relate to people. With that type of thinking, men can't be men and women can't be women and young people can't be young people. Our faith needs to inspire people and motivate people where they are. I highlighted this, so I really want you to get this. If our only concern is that people will be impressed with our spirituality, then we are not prepared to go into all the world. Sometimes we just want people to be impressed with how spiritual we are. The zealots, the zealots teach us that we have to drop the filter of selfishness. The Pharisees, on the other hand, they were the separated bunch. They knew the law in and out. They knew it up and down. They could quote the, five, the first five books of the Bible, the entire Torah. These guys were devoted, devoted people. And yet, we, we look at the way they lived. They were more concerned with the letter of the law than the life of the Spirit. And, and that tells me that there's another filter we have to drop. 
we have to drop the filter of self-righteousness. The Pharisees represent self-righteousness. A lot of people spend time promoting their own righteousness even if it hurts other people. They don't mind picking up the rocks as we saw the Pharisees do when they caught a woman in the act of adultery. And they picked up rocks to stone her to death. Why, you say? Well, the law told them they had a right to do that. Yet while they are picking up stones ready to kill this woman, Jesus kneels down, begins to write in the dirt, and says, He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And I love what the Bible says. It says that they all dropped their stones the, from the eldest to the youngest. From the eldest to the youngest. I think the eldest dropped their rocks first because it could be Jesus might have been writing their sins and they were older, which meant, meant that their list was longer. So they dropped their stones and they left that day. Maybe, maybe we need to understand that, yes, we come out from the world and we are separate. But it's not just about us maintaining our separateness because that's what the Pharisees did. They didn't care to kill this woman to maintain their separateness. That they wanted there to be a line in the sand. In one place, they were more upset with Jesus that he healed a man on a Sabbath then they were glad that the man got healed. And so there was always this barrier. The Pharisees did not mind hurting people as long as their righteousness was maintained. We know we have a problem when we want the whole world to believe that our hands are clean. Truth is, you ain't all that. We have a problem if we don't want to get messy and help people through their problems. We have a problem if we're afraid to get dirty or if we're worried about what Christians will say about me if I help this individual. When we become like the zealots and the Pharisees and we live underneath those filters, we become unbelievable to the world. Our filter keeps us from influencing the people God has anointed us to influence. It's not our job to push our personal convictions on everybody we run into. Some people, they get into that because they are, they are fired up about God and they're passionate, but they are misguided. We cannot win people if we think it's our job to attack people. If Jesus said, I did not come into the world to condemn the world, then why would we ever think it's okay to condemn the world? We have to lose the filters of fear, of being afraid of danger that may be ahead. We got, we got to lose the filter of selfishness and self-righteousness. We have to drop all those filters. Jesus, as I said earlier, he set his disciples up. He let them know very clearly that the road ahead is going to get tough. He let them know that his ministry was in danger. He let them know that soldiers would be coming after him. He never hid any of those things from them. He told them emphatically, I'm going to die. He told them it will not end 
the way you want it to end. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see the struggle. Jesus there praying, and the Bible says that as he prayed, his sweat became as great drops of blood. He's wrestling because there's danger at hand. He even asked the Father, is there not another way? Yet he came into agreement with the will of God, and he walked through it anyhow. What was Jesus doing? He was modeling for us that we don't hide from danger. He modeled that we are to throw our shoulders back and we are to submit to God, knowing that danger is all around, but God is with us. Leads me to a very important question. Can you walk through a difficult season with the right spirit? Jesus walked through a terrible, terrible season with the right spirit. I refuse to back up in this season and become a zealot or a Pharisee. I refuse to do that. Jesus endured the cross. And as he endured the cross, what they thought made him weak was actually the moment he was displaying his strength. He endured the cross and taught us, do not dodge danger. Jesus said that they can't get to me, and this is what it's going to take to get to them. I'm willing to do it. I, I have to do this in order to get to them. And when he did that, he dealt with demonic powers. He dealt with the danger around him. But the scripture says that he ascended into the heavens. Before he did that, he went into the lower parts of the earth, the Bible says, and he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men in that moment he was spoiling principalities and powers he ran in to the burning book to the the burning building he ran into the burning building why because you were there i was there he got his hands dirty he wasn't afraid to get messy on resurrection day the stone was rolled away and the bible says that he got up with great power great authority. He had, he had defeated death, hell, and the grave. But when he got up, I want you to get this. When he got up, his disciples, whom he had prepared for this moment, his disciples were not there. He had told them from the very beginning, there's a cross. The end of this is a cross. I'm going to die. Soldiers are coming. But when he got up on the third day, the, the, the disciples were not waiting on him. Which got me to asking some questions. Who was there when Jesus got up? And this is the heart of the message. Who was there? The person that was there was Mary Magdalene. The woman whom Jesus cast Seven devils out of. A woman who had a reputation. People had obviously known what she had done. They, they knew Jesus casted all these devils out of this, this woman, and yet it's not the disciples whom he had prepared for the moment waiting on him on the third day. It's a woman who had a reputation that you wouldn't want. 
She's waiting as he gets up. And I find it interesting that Jesus revealed himself to a person where all the filters had been removed. There were no filters with Mary Magdalene. Everybody knew her story. Everybody knew how Jesus had delivered her. And yet, that's the person that Jesus reveals himself to. Could it be that God cannot reveal himself the way he wants to because we keep presenting him our filtered lives? Our filtered lives. When he called her by name, she knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly. She knew exactly who it was. It was the person. I love this because it was the person who had been living unfiltered that got this incredible revelation of who Jesus is. And the Bible tells us that the disciples, not only were they not there, the Bible says, motivated by one of the filters we talked about, motivated by fear, they were behind shut and locked doors. Hiding out for fear of the Jews. Afraid to even be waiting by, by the tomb for Jesus to get up. They're behind locked doors. When Mary Magdalene gets there, she can't even get in because the doors are shut and locked. Another question for you today. Just something to consider. Who is it better to have in a moment like that? Someone who has a questionable past whom Jesus delivered that is not afraid to say something? Or a bunch of religious people who have been with Jesus for a long time but are sitting behind locked doors? Our filters are keeping us from experiencing a move of God in our own lives. See, J Jesus came into the middle of where those disciples were. And I believe it's the most important filter that we need to hit today. Because here's what Jesus did when he walked in through the wall, through the doors, through the locked doors. Jesus showed them his scars. He showed them his scars. And this is the powerful part that I want you to grab today. In a world where, our fil where we filter our weaknesses, we filter our pain, and we filter our problems. Jesus, I want you to know, he did not filter his pain. He did not filter his wounds. He, he showed up completely unfiltered. He showed them his scars. He said, guys, look. Pierced hands, pierced feet. And the Bible says that they were glad when they saw his scars. There was one guy, though, who missed Jesus the first time. And the Bible says Thomas wasn't present. And so they're all excited, man. They're telling Thomas, we've seen him. He, he really did. Like, what he said he would do, he, he, like, did it. And he came through the walls. Like, he showed up. Thomas like, I don't believe Unless I can see his scars, I will not believe. That's what Thomas was talking about. Unless I can put my finger in his side. So Jesus showed up letting us know that he'll come through 
any filter to get to us, even if it's a locked door, that he will walk right through it. The point is, Jesus showed us his scars so that you and I would, would be willing to show people our scars. Some people have been locked out from the presence of God for so long that they are not impressed by our religion, our traditions, our methods. They're not impressed with our self-righteousness. They're not impressed with how many verses we know. Some people will only believe when they see your scars. The church is really good at living under a filter, a mask, if you will. I'm blessed, highly favored, anointed. But the world's waiting on us to show them that we've been through something. That we have scars, that we have wounds, that we've been hurt. That we've come through difficult seasons, that we've come through, as we sang about it earlier, we've, we've come through the fire. I want to encourage us, Bethesda Church and anybody else that's watching, let's not spend all of our time trying to convince people we've been saved and perfect since we were three years old. Let's show people that we've made some mistakes. Let's uncover our scars. Let's remove the filters. I want you to know, people need to know you've been through something. We impress people with our strengths, but we connect with them through our weakness. We, we don't live in a perpetual state of victory. The truth is, we're working it out, we're walking it out, we're praising it out, we're shouting it out, we're trying to get it out. This is a walk. We have good days, we have bad days. We have awesome moments and we got moments that we would really like to forget it's okay to let the world know I'm gonna let the world know there's days that I'm confused days that I'm anxious days that my faith is not where it should be times that I felt depressed all of those things and I've been following Jesus a long time I think it's time that the church pull back the filters and let the world see that God has the ability to turn our mess into a message. That you don't have to be afraid. Jesus said, I want you to come as you are. Don't, don't come into God's presence with all these filters because you're worried about what he's going to think. He knows already. You're worried about people. What, what's it matter what they think? Come to Jesus as you are. Remove the filters. I'm thankful for the Bible because we not only read about the triumphs of the people we love reading about, we read about their failures. I'm thankful for Abraham, like the father of the faith. I mean, what a label, the father of the faith. I'm also very thankful that when I read his story, I see that he got impatient and he, he gave birth to Ishmael because of his impatience. and and. He wasn't waiting on the promise. I'm glad he messed up. It lets me know that God can still use me. I'm thankful for David. 
Yes, mighty man of battle, a king, uh, a guy who is after the heart of God. I'm thankful that he committed adultery and that he murdered a man. Why? Because it gives me hope that God can use me even though I've made mistakes, even though I've had wounds in my life, even though I've got scars from what I've walked through. I'm thankful for people like Elijah in the Scripture who called fire down from heaven one day and the next day wanted to commit suicide. I'm thankful for prophet Jeremiah whom God said, he said, I'm calling you and I'm setting you over nations. And in Jeremiah chapter 20, Jeremiah is telling God, he says, God, you've deceived me. You've you've just deceived me. Like ever since I started this prophet gig, I have been through nothing but hell. So I'm not saying anything else. Like he's ready to quit. But it's like the next verse, he's like, but it's like fire shut up in my bones. I can't quit if I want to. I want to tell some people, don't throw in the towel. God is not done with you. Your best days are not behind you. They are still in front of you. The best days of the church is not behind us. It's still in front of us. Yes, we may have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but God is with us. I hope it's encouraging you wherever you're watching this from. We got to live unfiltered wherever you're at I want you to just do this at home if you would just bow your heads in this moment and close your eyes and let's just reverence this moment because people may be sitting in a recliner maybe laying on the couch and right now the Holy Spirit's saying to them I've got plans for you I want to change your life and they're thinking in their mind I've I've done so many things. you, You got this list, this running list. I want you to know today that Jesus showed us his scars so that we would know that it's okay to show our scars. Remove the filters. I I gotta say this real quick. The world, and it's it's kind of interesting. in in the day in which we live and what's going on in the world, the world doesn't need our sanitized version. Doesn't need it. Our sanitized version. They don't need our filtered version. They want to see what God has done in your life. Even with all your stuff, they want to see what God has done. So right there where you are, If you would say today, Pastor Chad, I need to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. I want to pray with you. And I'm just going to ask that you you take a bold step. The bold step is I want you to pray this prayer out loud where you can hear it with your own ears. The Holy Spirit is there with you and your life is about to be changed. But I want you to pray this with me. Just, Just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself, so I'm asking you, Jesus, to save me, to forgive me. Come into my life. Thank you so much for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, we believe that you are now born again. That's what Jesus called it. You are saved. You are born again. 
And I want to give you one quick instruction. If you prayed that prayer, we would love to know about it. If you could text the word SAVED, the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, text that word to 304-396-0488. Just text the word SAVED to that number, and we will connect with you and help you take your next step. Here's what we're going to do to end service today. We have one more worship song. And during this last worship song, wherever you are watching, just turn that space that you're in, turn it into a place of prayer. And let's pray about some of the filters that we may have that is keeping God's presence from being maximized in our life. God bless you and thank you so much for joining us today at Bethesda Church. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can go to BethesdaChurch.tv slash give. We'll catch you on the next episode, and we hope you have a great day.